The sermon text reading is Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Yeah, I was just uh, thinking, can I move this over a little bit? Um, I was just thinking, Scott mentioned the, uh, the time when we break and we go and say hi to each other and it lasts like five minutes and... If you're new to this church, you're probably thinking, that's kind of weird. It's kind of an awkward time. Why would you like have an intermission in church? And he mentioned that, that he stole it from us many years ago. I need to give you some context. Um, so when we started our church, we were mostly like our, in 20, our 20s and 30s. And so everyone had children. And when it came time to dismiss the kids to go to their Sunday school classes, everyone had to leave and take their kids down this long hall and, and downstairs. And so when they would, like the parents would leave and we would be stuck with like 12 people in the sanctuary. And so we finally just said, oh, forget it. Let's just stop fighting it. Um, Take your kids to, you know, Sunday school. We'll start when you get back. And so everyone ended up loving that. They ended up starting, you know, talking and hanging out. And we realized that um, the, the communal connection in church is absolutely vital, that people come to church uh, because of other people. Well, because of Jesus, too. We don't want to forget that. But, but it's more than the sermon, as humbling as that is, you know, for preachers to say. It's more than the music. It's, it's y'all. And so we wanted to give time for that. that has, this has nothing to do with the sermon. But I just, you know, thought about it. And, you know, a little bit of, a, of nostalgia. Now, we're talking about Abraham this morning in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12. And he goes out, God calls him to go out, and he says, I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but just go, pack everything up and leave. I'll show you later. You've got to put that in a little bit of context. A lot had happened with the people of Israel. I mean, earlier on in the first 1 through 11 of, uh, of Genesis, uh, some things had happened where basically um, the Tower of Babel, they had screwed up and and, you know, we're creating their own gods. We're trying to be their own gods. And so God scattered them around to the, to the nations. I mean, the flood happened. Y'all know the flood, right? The Noah story. And 
God destroyed the earth. And it, it really started to, to feel like um, this whole creation project that God was doing had just gone off the rails. Um, and then comes Abraham. And then comes the promise to Abraham, as we read, that you're going to be a blessing to the nations. And that's a way of God saying, I haven't given up. You guys have really made a mess of it, but I haven't given up. And that promise is going to carry all the way through some really, really bad times. Horrible kings and horrible leaders in the nation of Israel. War, famine, all of these things. And the fulfillment's going to come in Christ. Now, the ultimate fulfillment, this is what I want us to see, is this story of Abraham is a, a precursor to the coming of Jesus. And the, the coming of Jesus sits right smack in the middle of redemptive history. A redemptive history, the story of the coming Christ that starts in Genesis and is fulfilled in Revelation. So that's why this story of Abraham is important. This promise, this call to Abraham is, is important because Genesis 1 through 11 reveals that there's a, a cosmic problem. And so the solution comes in this promise. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, the call of Abraham is the beginning of God's answer to the evil of human hearts, to the strife of nations, and the groaning brokenness of his whole creation. So to, to understand Jesus is to first understand this promise. It's like, um, have you ever been watching a movie, and this is not to say that this has ever happened in, in my house or my marriage um, with her, that you're watching a movie, you're watching a show, and it's going on, and someone walks into the room about, you know, 45 minutes into the movie and sit down, and they say, why is he doing that? Why is she saying that? And I'm like, if you have to know the first part of the movie. It's going to take way too long to explain it. You got to know it. See it from the beginning. And it's the same way with Jesus. So much of what Jesus does and says doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you know the beginning of the story. Starting in Genesis. That's why we read the Old Testament. That's why we go back and we look to understand our own calling, our own purposes. We have to understand Abraham. Once again, N.T. Wright says, any person of any nation who is in Christ is thereby also in Abraham. Paul, the Apostle Paul, says it himself in Galatians 3. He says, he believed God. Talking about Abraham. He says, consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed this promise that we looked at in Genesis 12. Paul says, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So that those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see, so Paul's mission to the Gentiles and, and our mission now, as this church says, we're on a, a mission to be a blessing to the city. To serve the city. That mission understands its context in the story of Abraham, the promise of Abraham, given to him in Genesis 12, verse 3 that we looked at, when he says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's pivotal, absolutely pivotal. The promise that's fulfilled in Jesus 
and that ultimately comes to fruition, full fruition in Revelation chapter 7. Now, let's, we're going to look at a couple things. Um, just kind of break this down, make some observations about this text. First, what's the nature of this call? The nature of it. We'll go back and look at verse, verse 1. God says to Abraham, he says, go, leave everything, everything that's familiar, everything that's safe. And as we read in the New Testament reading, Abraham didn't know where he, where he was going. But God says, that's all right. Just, just go, pack everything up, just start walking. I'll show you later. How many of us are going to do that? No, I won't even get up off the couch to go. And unless my wife, my kid says, well, what do you want? And they tell me what they want. I want to know if it's going to be worth it, if it's going to work out okay. Abraham didn't know anything. And he had grown up in this place, all of his family, all of his relationships, all of his power, his possessions, everything was there. And God says, "Ah, pack it all up, go. Where are we going, God? Just go. And this is going to be what would uh, what will be a, a pattern in the life of Abraham. He says to Abraham elsewhere, he says, uh, Abraham, hey, you're going to have a son. And Abraham says, like, well, God, I'm old. He was like 100. And I, we hadn't been able to have any kids, my wife and Sarah and I. And I, how is that going to happen? He's like, ah, I'll show you later. But you're going to have a son. And then when he finally has that son, he says, God says, Abraham, I want you to take this son, Isaac, and take him up on a mountain and, and kill him. Sacrifice him to me. And God's like, Abraham's like, what? And he's like, just trust me. Just go and do it. You know, my promises are going to be faithful. And so it was a series of these callings, these instructions in his life where he had the calling, but he didn't have the answer. He didn't know how it was going to work out. That's one of the natures of God's call. And now he says, get out, Abraham. Where? I'll show you later. Just go and look. Going into, this is not one of those sermons where I'm going to say, hey, Abraham got up and left, so hey, you should get up and go wherever God calls you to go. Well, yeah, but that's really hard. It's really, really scary. You know, I'm a little bit older, and so all of the movie, I'm about to quote a movie or tell you about a movie. And the movies that I quote came out before some of y'all were born, but to me, they were like last week. Okay, so just bear with me. There's a movie that you should have seen, and if you haven't seen it, shame on you. Shawshank Redemption came out in 1994. And it's Timothy, mainly Timothy Robbins and Morgan Freeman. And the character of Timothy Robbins, he meets this guy. In prison, I think it was like in the kitchen or something. And this guy was about to get out, to get released after decades in prison. And then he finds out a couple days later that this guy that was going to be released had taken his own life. And so he's sitting down, Timothy Robbins is sitting down with Morgan Freeman and saying, what, why would someone do something like that? And Morgan Freeman says, well, he knew this prison and he was comfortable with it. He didn't know the outside. And so sometimes, even as difficult and as confining as our present is, that's still better than the unknown, isn't it? And so we would rather stay here. I mean, that resonates. If I leave behind what I know, it it feels like death. And so we stay. We're afraid of it. And yet, that's very often where God calls us. That's where he calls us. But we say, like I would say, 
is like, I want to follow God, but I want some answers first, God. Um, okay, I have some questions. And like it's a negotiation or something like that. But look, when we say, I'll follow God, if you first show me exactly where to go and exact, tell me exactly what's going to happen, that's not following God. That's not faith. That's putting our own desire for control above the calling of God. And it's one of the things that we would always say at All Souls, when you put make anything else the priority, anything else the, the, the driving force, whether it be control, whether it be power, whether it be comfort, whatever it might be, when you put that in the center of your life is the most important thing, that becomes your God. And it's a natural thing for us to say, I want certainty before I do anything. And for many of us, that, that, that vies for power. It vies for centrality in the midst of our own heart with Jesus. It does. It's natural. God says, get out. Go. Don't ask if it fits your agenda because I'm going to give you a new agenda. He says, go, get out. Don't ask if it's going to enrich your life because I'm going to give you new life. That's the way the promise of God works. Now look, Christianity is a radical call. But, but it's not an easy call. It's not. Um, it's very difficult. It's very scary. Um, but God doesn't just leave us hanging, does he? He doesn't just say go, do whatever. And look, it needs to be said, it doesn't mean sell all your possessions and go move to Africa or something like that. It doesn't mean quit your job and go do whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It might mean little micro-calls, like um, giving up the control of worry or fear or anger. These little micro-calls where God's saying, look, you can never be a blessing to those around you when you are when overcome with rage and unforgiveness. But it's hard. It's hard to give up control, isn't it? But he doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us a reason. Gives us a purpose. He says in verse 2, go and do these things because you will be a blessing. This is, in the original language, it's an imperative. It's a command. It's not a question or a suggestion. It's a command. Go because you will be a blessing. It says, bless and serve all of those around you. That's what he says. That's why you're going. The whole purpose of the Christian life, ultimately, the thing that it can be, I think, one of the things it can be boiled down to is to be a blessing to those around us. To say that God is my God and I am his child. And he has called me thus, not to get me into heaven, although that's a happy consequence of the redemption of the world. It's to be a blessing, is that we might live out and fulfill the promises of Christ, to bless and serve those around us. Now, Israel will forget this. They will, all throughout their history. They, forget, they make a mess of it, like we've said, over and over and over again, because they, they try to get control, they try to gain power. And then they don't handle it very well. But this has nothing to do with the, the promise of Abraham. It's more humility than it is control. It's more meekness than it is power. 
and God calls them to give up control. Now, I think we as Christians, especially in this country, in this day and age, we, we need to hear that as well, don't we? There's this overarching, pervasive kind of narrative and posture within the Christian church that, that somehow thinks that if we can just gain power in our country, that we'll, we'll be able to then steer it within the, to the, in the direction of the kingdom of God. It never, ever works. People throughout history have been trying to do that, and it's never worked. The calling of following God in Christ never has to do with power, never has to do with control. It has to do with being a blessing and a service. It started all the way back in the nation of Israel. Remember what they said? Remember, God says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And they were like, we need a king. We need a king. And God said, no, you don't. No, we really do, God. No, you don't. No, we really do, God. Okay, fine. Here's the king. Here's Saul. He was awful. He made a mess of things. Here's David. David goes around killing his you know, enemies and all of that and stealing their wives and doing all this stuff. Solomon comes along. He was pretty good. He did okay, I think. A little bit of a high point in the king category. And then pretty much all the rest of them were awful, even evil. And God's like, I told you, you don't need a king. It's not about having power. It's not about overcoming and controlling other nations. That's not what I desire for you. That's even antithetical to my kingdom. And we need to heed that, even today. And we, we fret. And at the very least, God's promise to Abraham through Christ says to us, don't worry. It's going to be all right. Because my promise still stands. Because Jesus is real. And he's coming back. It's going to be okay. He comes to fulfill that promise. Again, verse 3 in Genesis 12. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Our calling is to not be over nations or against nations, but to be blessings to nations, to people. It's a subversive piece. It's a subversive posture. God says, if you're willing to get out, I'll make you a blessing. If you want control, if you want safety, if you want comfort, all that stuff, you know, you're not going to be much use. You're not going to be a blessing. I'm sorry. Now, that's the purpose, to be a blessing. But it comes with a promise as well. Again, verse 2, he says, I will bless you. I will be blessed. I will bless you. And so it's not just if you go out, you'll be a blessing to others. He's like, I'm going to bless you. This is the place you want to be. This is the, the life you're really built for. This is the life that your, your, your heart longs for. Not these other things, all these other things that our, our broken nature says to us that we must have. He says, this is what you're created for, to be a blessing. I will bless you. And then he backs it up with another promise. Genesis 17, I will be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And once again, beloved, this, this promise is central to the coming of Christ. This promise sets the stage. It is the context of the coming of Jesus. Galatians 3 again. This time verse 26. The Apostle Paul says, In Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. 
For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And even uh, in the Gospels in John, um, when Jesus was still alive, the Pharisees started challenging him, challenging his ministry by saying, surely you don't think you're greater than Abraham. So he must have said something about Abraham. They're like, surely you don't think you're better than Abraham. And Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. I am. Jesus himself defined his own ministry through Abraham. And therefore, what that means for us is our ministry, our life, is defined through this promise and call to Abraham. Because it's the same promise and the same call that's fulfilled in Christ. It was, this call was ratified in Jesus, and it's now to be completed in us. We have purpose. You see, and just as God called Abraham to follow him, we see Jesus calling his disciples, and he says things like, hey, put down your nets, come follow me, give these things up, come follow me. And they didn't know where they were going either, but they followed him. And they were a blessing to the nations. And they were blessed. And it's the same calling that we have. Call to leave the familiar, the familiar patterns of consumption. Leave that. The, the familiar places of control, of knowing what we're going to have or do or be in the future. You don't know. You really don't know. And no amount of money can give you that certainty, just so you know. I found, I found that out the hard way a couple times. But we don't want to give those things up. But it's still our calling. It's still our calling to go, not knowing where we're going to go, to leave the familiar, the comfortable. God says, go, follow, get out. My purposes are now to be your purposes. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Friends, that's what it means to follow God. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Father thank you for your grace. Thank you for your calling that's supernatural, our supernatural, natural, mystical, wondrous calling that somehow captures our hearts as we see Jesus and we don't even really fully understand who he is or what he's done. And yet we know that you call us to go. And so we go. And then, you know, our own desires come in and you call us to go again. You call us to remove or move other things out of the center of our heart, the center of our lives, and remind us that you alone are our God, and we are your people. And God, that we are a people just like the nation of Israel that had to be called over and over and over again, renewed and even redeemed over and over again. And God, we pray for all of us, for this church family, God, that you would redeem and renew us once more that you would refresh that call in our life, that you would say go, and we would follow. And we pray this for the sake of Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. I wonder what you heard. You know, for me,